just to have a conversation about um, the, the, diff, the different practices between the tribes. And, um, but first things first, uh, Rhea, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Hi, y'all. Uh, absolutely. So I, uh, like a lot of people of my generation, kind of found out about paganism as a concept in high school. Um, and, you know, I went through all the basic steps, found my way through a few different paths before I really came to uh, to Celtic polytheism. Um, and, you know, you hear a lot about the Tua or the Mabinogi, but you don't really hear much about the, uh, the Gaulish deities. But I came across a book, I forget who it's by, but it's called Ancient Fire. Uh, and it references all the uh, Gaulish deities. And I thought that was really cool because you don't hear about them too often. And, you know, I put that down for a little while. But uh, at one point, uh, there was one name that I remembered that just kept going through my head, and it was Serana. And I uh, I felt a lot of connection to her, the, the snakes, the refreshing waters, the, the lunar aspects of her. And uh, I was actually... Uh, on a plane down to Florida to visit my family for my father's wedding. And I don't do well with flights. And um, I remember at one point being on the flight and having a conversation with her and being like, look, if you get me through this, then you and I are going to have some serious conversations. And uh, well, I'm through it. So since then, that was little under a year ago. I've been a pretty, uh, pretty solid devotee of Serana. Um, but polytheism and its form is that there are more than one God to worship. And so I have been branching out and just trying to connect with different deities, be them local land spirits or well-recognized uh, deities of any kind of pantheon. But I am very specifically a servant and devotee to Serana. Okay. Um, yeah, that's really. Uh, um, that's awesome. That's a really cool story. Um, I know Serona. Uh, I, I think in my in my research, there's been a, there's a few tribes that uh, that really had a, a very heavy focus on Serona. So that's it's not surprising that um, that she's a big presence in your in your practice. Absolutely. So um, yeah, we're just uh, we talked about the uh, just the different in how. Take your time. Um, uh, so we're just going to talk about the the differences the differences of uh, practices and traditions of, uh, of, of among the various tribes because that's something that you've uh, talked about a, a little bit on like the uh, the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. So I guess uh, being new to this, that I am. Uh, 
One thing about the Gallupol community is that we're small. And so there's a lot of interconnectivity between the online platforms and groups. But the issue is, is that uh, because we're small, there is not much information that is as readily available as you would have for other deities or other cultures. And so it's hard to find a consistent, you know, to do or how to practice manual that you'd be able to find with others. And frankly, I'm grateful for that because it avoids dogma and it avoids cultural gatekeeping. But the downside of that is that it's hard to really put together your own practice, put together your own praxis. Um, and there's a lot of UPG involved and a lot of just trying something until it works. Um, and I think that is something that because there isn't a lot of information that is retained from the Gaulish era because of Roman colonization or whatever the case may be, it's not there. Uh, and so something that I found a lot of peace in that recognition with is the idea that there was no singular unified way to worship. Uh, a lot of the deities that we think of now as these grand uh, presences that would have been worshipped across all the tribes just isn't the case. They would have had local land deities that they worshipped. They would have uh, kind of exports from different cultural pantheons that they gave their own names to. They would have all kinds of different interpretations and their own deities of the natural world around them. And that's, uh, I have dealt with some gatekeeping in my time when it comes to paganism. And so it's been very easy for me to get discouraged. But one thing that has kept me going and kept me on this practice and what's kept it alive is the idea that there is no one way to do it. There are no singular gods, singular paths you have to worship. Uh, and I think the, uh, frankly, I don't know much, but I would like to think that the uh, the tribes, I know you have a specific connection to the Helvetii, uh, the tribes would say the same, um, say, yes, these are who we worship. These are the traditions, but they would also say, but these guys from the Mediterranean came up and we kind of like their God. So we added that into our pantheon as well. That's another God we worship since they told us about him. And I, I think that's just how uh, cultures and traditions stay alive is through that cultural symbiosis. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you brought up a lot of good points. And I've dealt with my fair share of gatekeeping as well. Um, I, I mean, I've only been uh, a Gauls polytheist for the last... Uh, four-ish years or so, um, mm -hmm. and, and like, well, I'm constantly learning new things, so it's, uh, the cool thing about paganism is that you never stop learning, you never stop discovering new things, but like you said, um, each tribe had its own, like, tribal pantheon of local land spirits, and yes, we do see um, common figures pop up, which may have been, like, shared from tribe to tribe to tribe, and this is kind of where uh, most of Sigamaros's book has uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, been collected. You have Karanis, you have uh, Kernunos, uh, Soronos, Merkta. Well, you have these names that pop up a lot more often, but each tribe probably had, um, like, several, uh, you know, like, um, Andarda, she was specifically for the tribe that was um, around the uh, Ardennes forest, because that, that's who the, that's who was the personification of that forest, that local, that local deity. Um, and uh, it's and that's why like I think I don't know I, I don't think anyone sat down done like a head count but I think 
between all the tribes, all of them, um, there's like somewhere between 300 and 500 gods. And there's no way that they all practice the exact same thing. They have druids to lead their spiritual services, but um, unless unless they all met at one place first, I know there's that there's a Hoosier tribe which uh, was a meeting ground for all the druids across across the, the continent. I I really don't see that possibility. So they, they may have, uh, and each druid may have developed their own practices for their tribe that they were, you know, associated with. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of things to look at. Absolutely. Um, and granted, I'm no historical expert on the topic, and there are going to be times in this conversation where I'm afraid you'll have to lead on the historical context. But um, I would like to think that in order to retain true personal identity and true personal relationship with their deos is that there would have to be differences. There would have to be regional ideations because without it that would not be an authentic connection between them and their deities their gods because we all deal with different things based off of the regions that we're around we all have different ideas of okay uh i know you're out and the pnw i'm in the midwest uh right here it is snowy and it is rainy and they we have these cultural and uh geographical conditions that right now this would be a perfect time for me to connect with the deity or a specific land deity of the of ah uh, sorry it's been a long day of this specific region of something rainy of something cold a winter deity whereas for you it might be something completely different and i think one thing to recognize is gaul was huge Gaul was a very, very large space that had very, very different, uh, not only cultural traditions, but also geographic conditions. And what might be the chief deity because of the geographic conditions of one area might be completely different from the others. Um, and I, I think because a lot of us grew up in very organized religion, um, uh, we have this idea that spirituality has to be very regimented, very segmented, very rule heavy. And... I'm not sure that that was the case uh, for classical Celtic and especially Gaulish polytheism. Well, like you were saying, there were 300 something gods. There had to have been, uh, to regulate all that would have been phenomenally difficult. Even for the Druids who studied for 20 years before they could earn the title, there to regulate all of that between all of these different cultures and all of these different people, I feel like it would have been impossible. So I think it would have been very, very difficult to retain an authentic connection with your deities if you were following a guidebook. Yeah, absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. And yeah, I, I mean, I have no problem leading with some of the historical stuff. Sorry, it's just that uh, I get carried away sometimes. But um, yeah, absolutely. Just to manage all those deities across all of Gaul, which like you said, it's huge because not only is it France, but it's Luxembourg, uh, parts of Germany, Belgium. It's this massive area. And then you have like the Celts in the uh, Iberian Peninsula. You have the Celts that went further out into Anatolia and settled out there. And then, and, but with the, um, with those Celts, um, the, uh, the Galatians, they, um, that's an example of what you were saying, that they brought in uh, deities from other cultures, which is, just seems to be, um, 
a thing that happens quite a bit in those times. Is like, when you get these cultures that are, you know, communicating, training, uh, fighting, or being allies, like there's, there's always going to be kind of like I, I, I've phrased it as cultural bleeding before, where you have like <laughs> they, they, they just kind of mix in with each other. Um, so like the Galatians were were known to have not only Celtic deities but also uh, Greek ones as well, because that was um, a, a very Hellenistic area. Um, yeah. Prior to the Ottoman Empire. Um, so but yeah, like but uh, and, and uh, you know like like you said, uh, my focus is mainly the Helvetii, but also just the other tribes of the, of the Alpine region. And because that area is kind of like a natural border between the Celtic world and the Germanic world, um, me and a couple of good friends of mine uh, have noticed that there is uh, like de- deities that are that uh, you know that slight pronunciation or maybe a swapping of the letters here and there. And this god over here is like it, it could be this god over there. So there, there may have been, um, you know, dramatic adaptations as well. And I, I, I have to read more Selg stuff, but I think there's a same case to be said with the, with the Belgae up in Belgium as well, because that was also a very dramatic area as well. Mm-hmm. And even outside of the uh, Galatian or Iberian peninsulas, there was uh, recognition of other deities. Uh, speaking of Serona, I know there were a few times that she was depicted with Apollo or Granus uh, in her temples uh, because the Gauls did not worship, or I know some tribes did not worship at Nematons. They had specific sacred, sacred spaces, and uh, these were especially the spaces that were influenced from gods from other cultures. Um, specifically, I think there was a place on the uh, in Romania, that was a, a bathhouse that Serana was worshipped at, and there were depictions of Apollo and depictions of Granus, and I that was her consort. And I think there were some other deities that were depicted with consorts from specifically separate pantheons. And uh, a lot of times you get people nowadays, purists and reconstructionists, who talk about the dangers of pantheon mixing, when ultimately that doesn't make much sense to me because they were doing it in the classical era just as a product of cultural exchange. Absolutely. Um, and we, in the, an example I brought up before is um, Rome was notorious for adopting gods that, that, that gained popularity within Rome. Um, with the Egyptians, they brought, they, uh, they brought in Isis. And I think my buddy, um, uh, Renoptaros, was telling me that they've actually found uh, evidence of Isis worship in Switzerland, of all places, mm-hmm. because of the Romans. Um, we see synchronization where you have um, the, uh, I actually wrote an article on it for my blog, um, at the St. Bernard Pass in Switzerland, um, there was a ancient shrine there for the god Caminos, and then it was, um, it was torn down, and the, the Romans built their own temple for uh, Poninus uh, Jupiter, which was kind of like a, a synchronization of the two. Um, so it, it's... And then, yeah, and then uh, uh, not only that, but uh, the Romans also adopted uh, Epona um, big time because they, 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 they didn't have a horse goddess for their, uh, their cavalry to kind of look up to and pray to before battle. They, um, they adopted uh, the sniffing god Gobanos, uh, uh, but they, they, they kind of merged him with Mars and they, made, and they named him Cobanos. So they're... Um, uh, you'll see full on adoption like with Epona, or you see like synchronization like with Caninos or, uh, or uh, Cobanos. Um, 
and that's just it's just common practice uh, 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 not just i mean the role was just a big example because we're talking about um right iron age ball but you see that kind of stuff all over the place uh, deities just um kind of crossing borders and just kind of uh getting that culture's you know flair like uh, there's a, a case to be made that you know um going outside of golf for a bit that um like four when he uh, when that tradition spread to uh, east into the Baltics, that four kind of morphed into Akunas, um, um, who is rightfully his own deity, but shares a lot of features with Thor. Um, right. So there's, yeah, there's there's a lot of things to look at um, with that kind of thing. But yeah, but, but these gatekeepers and purists don't want to recognize that. They, for whatever reason, they just have like this weird, narrow... Um, just blinders on binary. No, this has to be this. Uh, it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. I've I've actually been doing my fair share of uh, arguing with a couple of them on the the more side of things on TikTok. But, yeah, that's, that's I don't mean this as a leading question, uh, but it kind of feeds into our discussion. Do you also have a relationship with some of the Norse gods? Um, I do, um, because the uh, kind of going back to the Alpha later, you know, uh, the, the northern part of it, um, kind of the northern border where the Helvetti, because uh, the Helvetti inhabited the plateau. Um, so the northern, like, the, I think the Rhine or the Rhone is, is up there. I, I don't know, it's been a long time I've looked at it. But um, anyway, you had the Suebi, and the and later on the um, the Suebi eventually turned into the Alemanni. Um, uh, Renos would know a lot more about that. He's awful focused on that. But yes, I do uh, uh, follow uh, Tyr. Tyr's the main Germanic god that I follow. There's a couple others that I have prayed to and I have idols for, like um, the goddess Ear, who's uh, kind of medicine and healing. I have done a little bit of work with um, Odin or Vulcan or the, you know, one of his mm -hmm. however many names. Um, I haven't done much with Thor. Uh, I mean, I have my experiences with Thor, but uh, it's just... Uh, uh, it's, it's one of those cases where I've reached out and I just, uh, I never got a response kind of thing, you know? Yeah. But yeah, tears a big, a big uh, part of my practice. Okay. And I think that feeds well into the discussion, the idea that I think nowadays, especially within the U.S., uh, we like labels, we like identifiers, we like to set ourselves in boxes because it gives us a sense of who we are. Um, and I was talking to a friend of mine who, very, very wise man, very, I, I consider him one of my spiritual leaders, but I was talking to him about how I have established connections with a lot of the Gaulish deities, uh, Kernanos and uh, Serana, and I'm working a little bit with, uh, shoot, <sighs> now I sound like I'm losing my authenticity here because I can't even remember her name, but that's fair. Uh, but anyway, but I also have a very deep and strong connection with the deities of the Mabinogi. Um, I mean, my name is Rhiannon. Um, and there was a long time where I felt like I had to choose, like this was a binary option. Um, and if there's one thing about me, you'll learn. I can't stand binaries. I think they're uh, 
not constructive and I think they put unnecessary boundaries on things and I I think one of the reasons these gatekeepers defend so strongly their parameters of what is what is because to step outside of that and to recognize the either the objective or the subjective truth uh, regarding people's own personal faiths and own personal spiritual journeys is to recognize that there is question and gaps to be found in their own ideology regarding identities. Uh, I swear, I am not trying to lead this into any other conversations, but it is paralleling. Um, and so I think there's just, I think a lot of young pagans uh, will fall into that line of not knowing where to identify themselves with because they have relationships or they have associations with different uh, cultural identities, different uh, cultural deities. And I think to try to confine yourself to that is ultimately destructive to your spiritual journey. I, and I think people... And this is something that I'm still learning. You can have a relationship with a deity that is real, that is valid, uh, but then you grow and nobody expects you to stay the same for your entire life. And you can consider it a, we had our time together and we'll still you know, communicate, but I am moving more towards this direction in my life now. And then you discover a different deity. And I, I don't know. I'm not going to be so arrogant as to call deities friends, but I think they are personal relationships and personal relationships grow and evolve and you can add more and you can take them away. And it's, I get frustrated with the boxes that people put around faith. And I think the biggest thing is if you are not being culturally appropriative, if you are staying outside of closed practices, uh, UPG is a completely valid thing that gets looked down on a lot by people who are very, very intellectual about their spirituality, but maybe not the most uh, emotionally involved, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. And I, I couldn't agree with you more about it. Everything you just said there. I've been trying to make videos on in, uh, on TikTok to explain those kind of things. Um, because I've had gatekeepers go as far. Because I, I, I've dealt with, you know, your typical, you know, racists where uh, they, their view, their view of the world is so warped and toxic that they will read, for this, for this example, they will read the Eddas and they will interpret it in this completely bizarre way that somehow justifies their, their point of view. And I think that. When it comes to polytheism, if you're coming from a Christian, you know, again, it's just an example. If you're coming from a Christian background, you have to completely deconstruct that Christian background. Otherwise, you're going to carry some of those traits on into it where you have, where like uh, a lot of people believe that like Sukellos uh, or Hades or hell are these dark, evil entities because that's what they've been, that, you know, if, if someone's associated with the dead, that's somehow dark and evil and it's not the case at all and um i've had, i've met with gatekeepers that uh, because you know you and i are american um i've been told just accept that you're american and that it, essentially trying to close off just because i can't essentially saying that i can't connect with my roots i mean, I mean mm -hmm. that's how i discovered the hell days because 
uh, I want, you know, because being American uh, and my family's fairly Americanized where we didn't have a whole lot of, of, you know, Swiss traditions in my household, I wanted to find out more. And that's when I eventually discovered the Helvetti. And then from the Helvetti, I discovered these other Alpine tribes. And, and I wanted to connect more with that. I felt this strong, you know, connection. And, like, I felt like, you know, I, I just, uh, feeling complete. Yeah. I guess the best way I can explain it. And so when I, in, you know, I'll, I'll go on the, on the Discord and stuff like that, and I see people who are, they discover college polytheism because they did something similar where, like, they just, you know, their family is American. There's not much connection to where they came from, so they'll do a DNA test or they'll, they'll find out that where their family's from, you know, you know maybe someone in the family's a historian or whatever. And they find, okay, well, they, they find this area in Europe where their family came from, and they discover, they, they may discover a tribal a tribal name, because uh, Rome, fortunately, they love to keep trophies of uh, the tribes that they conquered. That's how we have, we, we have all these tribal names still left over. And then they'll find that there's one or two gods that, uh, that these tribes may have worshipped, but we, you know, you and I both know that there was probably way more local deities that were part of that tribe, that tribe's pantheism. Um, and so I it's just, you know, with all these gatekeepers, finding weird, you know, like you said, binary ways to, to look at things, it's it's harmful. Because if I had believed those people that said, you cannot, you know, you're American, just be American. When we're, we're on, you know, we're, you know, we're living in America, which was taken from the indigenous people, a land that we're, te- I, you know, I don't really feel connection to. I mean, I love the Pacific Northwest, but you know, it's there's, there's spirits here that are uh, that are part of the indigenous community. Like I've worked with, I've worked with the spirit of the Spokane River. I didn't give her a Gaulish name or an American American name. I, I I couldn't find an indigenous name for um, that river except for the Spokane River. So that's just what I call it. And I have an idol dedicated to her because of uh, what she's you know how she's uh, affected my life and how she's helped me out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's a never-ending fight with, with with these people that just want to keep people out for one reason or another. It's interesting you talk about working with the local deities and recognizing that we are on stolen land, um, and the idea that how are we as descendants of the people who stole this land supposed to connect with those who took proper care of it and foster those relationships? Um, and I can say personally, I'll go out and I'll walk by the streams and I'll lay tobacco down at the trees and I'll talk and I'll do my best to connect while also, you know, trying to be the one who goes out to the woods and picks up the trash that people leaves and I'll bag up the dog waste that people leave and I'll I'll try to be a, a good caretaker for the land while also recognizing that this is not my land. It's not anybody's land, uh, but it is to be in a place that you know is not yours. Uh, I remember one of the first uh, episodes you were talking about the the Gaulish virtues, and one of them is to be a good host and to be a good guest. Uh, And within that, as both hosts of the environment that we are in uh, legally 
and guests of it spiritually, it is our job to maintain and take care of it. And if we don't do that, then what we're doing is we are falling right into the trap of taking it for granted, like everybody has done before us. And I can say, uh, going back into the discussion of being an American and not having those cultural roots and not feeling like you belong here, I was actually having this conversation at a dinner party earlier tonight. We, uh, I know you served in the Marines. I grew up in a military family, so I moved from place to place for a while, and we didn't have any uh, cultural traditions. All our traditions came from our the military, and so we didn't really have anything that was unique to our family line or unique to our raising. So later on, as I started connecting to, okay, this is where my family came from, and this is the line that I traced, and finding commonality in that. I started to recognize the places where I felt drawn to. And yes, we are American. And we I fully believe that we have to recognize that and recognize that this is where we were raised. And we don't, I personally don't feel that we have the right to walk into these places that our ancestors were from and say, we grew up in these traditions. These traditions belong to us. But I do think we have to look at them and try to implement what we can from them because they are our roots. They are the things that spiritually we come from. And I think it is healthy to try to reconnect that into our daily life the best that we can. And there is a diasporic element to any pagan religion, um, especially in the modern era where, okay, these, like you were saying, these tribes had local deities that they worked with that we know nothing about. How are we supposed to reconnect to those when all of that cultural history has been wiped out? Um, and so I think that's why resources like Ancient Fire or like the, uh, like Gallcast or the Gaulish polytheism pages are wonderful because we get to learn more about the things that were lost. But I think there are, uh, there is a Welsh word that is specifically in reference to uh, the mourning people have for the Wales that was before it was colonized. Um, I forget exactly what it is. Uh, it's been misappropriated a lot, but anyway. I, there is, I think every pagan, every witch, every practitioner of pre-Abrahamic religion has that feeling of that mourning um, and wondering what we had, wondering what was lost. But I think if we get stuck in what was, trying to reconnect with the past, 
We can do that, but that has to be our root system. That can't be where we live. We have to take what we know and we have to move it forward into the future. And that is the only way that these traditions can survive in a way that is healthy, in a way that is um, progressive, for lack of a better phrase. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I might have you on another time. Yeah, just reach out. You have a good night. Fantastic. Yeah. Take care. Mm -hmm.